Well, I'm not bragging, but I don't have a problem with eating too much unless the food is really good. Well, that's still the problem, isn't it? Portion control for some of us, for some meals, just doesn't seem like an option, right? I made a feast the other night, and luckily I was blocked in where I was seated. I couldn't get up frequently to get more, so that was that was somewhat helpful. Here's one particularly weak point for me. I don't mind confessing it. Uh, this this Chicago-style kettle corn that Costco sells, uh, if it's in front of me, I just continue to eat it. I could probably hook it up around my ears and continue <laughs> to chow through the bag. Not the prettiest picture. I'm sorry about that. Uh, well, what, what is cute is when Heather and I were teaching our babies to use sign language, to ask for things uh, before they had the words that they could you know, speak to tell us what was going on. Usually it's just fussing, right? So uh, it helped avoid the terrible frustration that comes when you can't communicate. Right. So pointing the fingers of one hand to the other and then tapping the points together gently means more, please. More. And even when the words began, I remember Kyler tapping his fingers together, saying, Moy, Moy, looking longingly, Moy, and it still melts my heart. More, please, Moy. Yes, yes, I will give you more. And, and guess what? That's how your Heavenly Father feels about your desire for him. You want more? You want more? I'll give you more. Our text today, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 3 says, So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. The structure of the passage looks like this. Crave pure spiritual milk as newborn babies so that by it you might grow up into your salvation by putting off all malice and all deceit, all hypocrisies and jealousies and slanders, since you've tasted that the Lord is good. Okay, since you've tasted, and, and of course you're going to put these things off and, and crave the newborn milk. So what is this? pure spiritual substance that, like mother's milk, both causes cravings and satisfaction. Well, we've learned it's the, it's the good news, the declaration that was preached to you. That's at the end of chapter 1. The gospel of Jesus, the resurrected Messiah of Israel and the Lord of the world. This statement of a new reality of Jesus as Lord is announced with the need to repent, provides the offer of forgiveness, and the new birth that we enact in baptism. So that's a point of salvation in our lives when we become saved and are being saved, and one day we will be saved. But make no mistake about it, that new birth happens at a point in time. No one likes an extended labor. Well, you were 13 months pregnant. <laughs> That's not going to work, right? But the growth from there, from that birth, requires a craving for nourishment. This makes all the sense in the world, right? If a baby is disinterested in taking nutrition, we've got a situation where there's a failure to thrive. Uh, new measures have to be taken. So right off 
the the bat here, a pesky pastor question for you would be, are, are you malnourished spiritually? Are you growing into the likeness of your father? Have you lost the taste for spiritual nourishment? As we crave that nutrition, the salvation we're growing into starts to fill us out into the stature of Jesus himself, who is the likeness of his father and, and our father. So, see, the gospel continues to provide that nourishment. And Paul, in, in his letters, he would use the metaphor of milk as, as the initial thing for babies, but then something to move on from. But, but for Peter here, this milk metaphor, this mother's milk, is something for the believer at all stages. See, something I want to impress upon you today is that the gospel is for Christians too. As we grow, the, the clothes that we used to wear become ill-fitting and need to be cast off. I grew like a puppy. I, I was out of my clothing all the time, and, and that, those clothes have to go away, and the new clothes have to be put on. And as we grow in the love of Christ, becoming like Christ, loving each other becomes the appropriate clothing. That's where we looked at the last passage. Some of those ill-fitting clothes that get cast off are malice, deceit, hypocrisy, jealousies, and all slander. And doesn't it make sense that you would get rid of all those things since you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good? But have you tasted that the Lord is good, kind, gentle, directive, and loving? Have you tasted that? When I watch parents, usually in public or maybe in a meeting or something, taking care of their little kids, providing nourishment, care, concern, structure, love, correction, it warms my heart. I think to myself, and sometimes I tell them how grateful I am for yet another human being being given the chance to grow up in the knowledge of the love of their parents. It's too true that hurt people hurt people. But it's also true that loved people love people, right? Does, does it really surprise any of you that, that someone who hasn't tasted the kindness of God isn't able to avoid the malice and slander and unforgiveness and, and just the general filth of this world? Does it really surprise you? They haven't tasted and seen. They haven't tasted the goodness and the kindness of God. In response to this gospel of forgiveness, Peter has said in 1 Peter 1.24, we looked at this a while back, having purified your souls by your obedience to truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. You've been newborn, <laughs> newly birthed, through the living and abiding word of God. So if hurt people hurt people and loved people love people, forgiven people forgive people. And that's at the root of this. Forgiven people forgive people. And there was a time when Jesus in his ministry was invited to a Pharisee's house, a religious leader, uh, to eat with him. And he goes to the Pharisee's house and reclines 
at his table. This is Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, obviously notorious, when she learned that he, Jesus, was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, that's a day's wage, and the other 50. When they couldn't pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will he love more? Simon answered, well, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That was a day that she remembered. The Lord is good. I have tasted and seen. She could go with the, the author David, who in Psalm 34 said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in Yahweh. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify Yahweh with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of Yahweh encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, and those, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. These are truths that we need to be washed with. So how do we put off the things that were from the old life before we were born again to crave this new spiritual milk that's causing us to grow into our salvation. Well, we rehearse the gospel. A few weeks ago, I mentioned how remembering our story and telling our story keeps it all fresh. Rehearsing the gospel as it relates to our story and others' stories reminds us of the pure spiritual milk that we need to continue to grow in. The gospel isn't just for the spiritually dead, the spiritually lost. It's for the reborn as well. 
the gospel is for, for Christians too. The new birth begins new cravings, replacing what you used to desire. And as we remember that birth, it, it reminds us of how good God is. Psalm 42, 1 and 2, David again sings, writes and sings, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Church, we don't choose the thing more distasteful, right? We, we, we choose the thing that tastes the best to us, and our appetites grow from there. But our tastes need to change. Well, how does that happen? Well, the new affection needs to push out the old. I, for instance, um, can avoid any maple bar that you want to throw at me any maple bar. Why? Because I've tasted Chuck's maple bars from the Renton Highlands. I can avoid any other maple bar you put in front of me, but if you put a Chuck's maple bar in front of me, it's pretty much over. Those need to be sent away or they will be consumed. A new affection needs to push out the old. The old clothes need to be grown out of. Right? And if you eat enough Chuck's Maple Bars, that'll happen too. <laughs> no, but the, but the old clothes, right? The malice and the, the unforgiveness, all that needs to be grown out of. And if you've not grown out of it, no wonder you still fit the same clothes. You haven't grown out of that yet. Karen Jobes notes that Peter is exhorting his readers to put off all evil and all deceit. And then he gives specific examples of hypocrisies, for instance, claiming to love fellow believers, but gossiping about them, and jealousies. Malicious talk or backbiting can be allowed no place among the people of God. In this way, Peter spells out what he means by earnestly loving one another and also shows that the poor attitudes and behavior are incompatible with the craving the true, pure milk. So I guess I could just leave you there and say, that's incompatible. You need to grow out of it. Uh, I could leave you there with the realization that sin continues to entangle you and it's very mysterious and, and that somehow you need the gospel to help you grow out of the patterns you're stuck in. But I've actually got more for you. More. <laughs> Do you want more? Do you want more? Do you really want to grow out of the old clothing of evil desires? Do you want to taste and see how good God is, even if it's going to expose some uncomfortable areas? Okay, well, you're sticking with me. So I'm going to come back to this statement. The gospel is for Christians too. Here's the deal. It starts with looking at what your life is producing and then do some reverse engineering. Like a tree producing bad fruit, you have to get to the roots. What is it feeding on? To produce this kind of fruit. And so we'll practice going from fruit on the tree to the root of the tree. And Jeff Vanderstelt has been so helpful to me in this practice. Uh, we're going to look at the fruit your life is producing and work backwards to the lies we believe about ourselves and God and then confront those lies with the truth in order to produce new fruit. So we'll look at the fruit, we'll go follow it down to the root, do the work with the truth, 
so that you can begin to produce new fruit. And we'll use some of the truth that we learned in, in the psalm I read to you earlier, Psalm 34. So if the fruit of your life is gossip, slander, well, go to the root of that. What is it we're believing about God, about ourselves? Well, no one is standing up for me. God isn't there supporting me, and, and I'll give them what they deserve. That's part of it. No one is no one's standing up for me. I have no advocate, and so I'm just going to spit trash about those people as well. I'll give them what they deserve. But what is true? One of the things is true is that I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears and that those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Now, what kind of fruit does that produce? What's the new fruit? Well, it's confidence in our advocate, Jesus. So that we know that we have an advocate who speaks a better word for us so that we can begin to speak a better word for other people as well. And it's all based on the death of Christ for our sins in our place. As we take communion, as we remember the, the blood and the, the body of Christ in our place for our sin, we realize we deserved death, but yet we have an advocate. So what if the fruit of your life is jealousy or bitterness? What is it you're believing about that? Well, God isn't providing for me what I need. And, and I need to go get what I need. And they have what I need. And so, but what's true? Well, from Psalm 34, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Right? And we know if we go to the cross, if we go to Jesus, if we go to the gospel, the, the proclamation of a forgiveness of sins because Jesus is Lord, raised from the dead, we realize that we've been given everything, right? We've been given everything. So the new fruit of our life can, can become trust in God's provision. Now we just have a trust. And, and if God wants to bless other people in other ways, that's fine. You don't need jealousy or bitterness. If the fruit of your life is anxiety, feeling out of control, well, let's go down to what we believe about it. Well, we believe that God isn't running the world very well. He's out of control. He's not taking all these things into account. What do we believe about ourselves? I have to do everything. God, do I have to do everything around here? I'm going to run this, wow, run this situation, run this place, run this life. But, but then is that really what you believe? No, what is true? What is true? Well, from Psalm 34, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You can hide out in him because he is in control. Then that new fruit can become trust in God's provision. This is something you can do with one another. You can try to trace down what is it you're believing about God right now? What is it believing about yourself right now? And then get down to the truth. Is that really what you believe? Apply the truth to the roots and then let's see the new truth come out. Let's see the new fruit come out. Once we get down to the bad beliefs at the root of our anxiety, our jealousy, our slander, on and on and on, we need to rebuild to that new fruit, right? So here's four questions that Jeff Vanderstelt leaves for us. One, who is God? Oh, well, he is... He is merciful and he is kind and he is loving and he is all these things. And so, okay, well, what has he done specifically in Christ? What has he done in Christ? Well, he's, 
He's saved us. He's ransomed us. He's redeemed us. He's, he's washed us. He's cleansed us. He's made us pure and whole and all that. So who am I in light of all that? Well, then I'm the loved, the redeemed, the advocated for, the protected, the, the secure, the, the one who's being provided for. In light of all that, what do we do? Well, then I want to live out my life with this new fruit, having the Spirit do His work in and through me. Does that make sense? Who is God? What has He done specifically in Christ? Who am I? And then in light of all that, what do we do? Peter's been saying that in the light of everything God has done for us, this is who we should be. These aren't commands coming out of nowhere. This is a, a pattern and, and an example. When we believe the truth of the gospel in our lives, it becomes spiritual nourishment. It's Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we take in this gospel milk, we won't want anything else. So as a takeaway, I encourage you to practice these four questions on yourself and, and on other people. Help them rehearse the gospel. We need to think about what our actions say about what we actually believe. Because when it comes to the good news, the forgiveness through Jesus and the power of the Spirit flowing through us, we need to simply say, more please, more please right now in my life. More, please.